right. If you have a handout, you can take that now and then take your Bible, turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, this has been a series of um, what I'm calling my, uh, informally I'm calling it my favorite passages, counseling passages, but uh, technically we're calling it Bible passages for spiritual growth. And the idea is, is what are the, the main passages that you should have a, a good grasp on to uh, grow yourself and to help others grow? And this is another one of those fantastic passages. What we're going to do is read through this passage, and I want some interaction as we begin. I want you to identify some key words. Either these are words that you know they're important because of how they're used in this passage, or maybe you're a little curious of what they mean, if there's uh, more to their meaning. And we're going to walk through these key words, and I left some space at the top of your outline there for key words. And then I would like for you to... um, we're going to write them down on the board, and then we'll walk through this passage uh, verse by verse. So let's start with verse 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. All right, let's look at this, and I know I read that kind of quickly, but as you look through it, did you have any words that you would like to mark as keywords? Uh, in this particular passage. What do you think? What do you notice? What's, give me some of them. Just shout them out. You don't even have to raise your hand. Flesh. Okay, let's do key words. Uh, we have flesh. What else do we have? Walk. Okay, what does walk mean? You'd want to know that. That's good. Let's see here. Flesh. We want to know what walk means. What else do we have? Key words here. Warfare, right. What are we talking about when we talk about warfare? There seems to be, in fact, did you notice how many war-related words are in this passage? Okay, there are a lot of battle words in this particular passage. Let's keep going. What else do you have? Oh, yeah, there's a, there's a war word, stronghold. A stronghold, and there are strongholds here is what we're talking about. Okay, what else do we have? Keywords. What's that? Carnal, Carnal Yeah carnal. Somebody else? Weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Yes, absolutely. What else do we have? Other words, key words in this passage. What's that? Thoughts. Okay. Anything else? Captivity. What does it mean to bring something into captivity? Okay, almost, we can almost take every word, right, in this passage. There's so, this is a very dense passage. What else? Any, anything else? Uh, how about, I had uh, arguments, casting down arguments. Okay, what about, what does it mean by when you're disobedient, uh, dealing with disobedience? I had to sing the obedience song in my head to spell that right. <laughs> um, or uh, Bringing, did we say captivity? We did. Bringing into captivity, that's important. Mighty, the word mighty. Okay, what does it mean that something is mighty? We, we think we know, but why, why don't we look into it? We talked about flesh. Did we talk about flesh? Yes, we also talk about fleshly. 
I mean, that is fleshly. Um, war. Did we talk about war? No, maybe not. I think this is a pretty good list, right? This is a pretty good list uh, that gives us some of the key words in this passage. And as we look through this, we talk about the word walk. Um, what does that word typically mean when we talk about it in the, in the, uh, when we're using it in Bible language? Lifestyle, how you, how you live, right? How you do stuff. So when you walk, you are doing things a certain way. It's how you live. It's not obviously the way you actually put one foot in front of the other. Um, let's actually address these words as we come to them, okay? Let's look at this first section here. First thing we see in verses 3 to 4, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not, car- are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Notice here, first, the need for a different kind of weapon. There's your blanks. We have a need for a different kind of weapon. He says that we live and we exist in the realm of the flesh. Now, when we use the word flesh normally, what do we normally mean by flesh? If I say, I mean, up to this point we've been talking about the flesh, what are we talking about? The old sin nature, the old sinful desires, the bad, like the bad part of flesh, right? Like we think of, I, I'm convinced in this particular context that, you know, flesh can be positive and negative. It can have, or it can have a neutral uh, meaning to it here. When he says, although we walk in the flesh, I don't think he's talking here about the sinful part. He's talking about the fact that we live in a material world. So the flesh is a material, a physical world as opposed to the spiritual. So though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Okay, walking in the flesh means living in a material world. You live in a material world. You walk on material. You eat material. You, you, you breathe air, right? You are a person who has, a, you are bound by time. Like I was, I cannot be here and there at the same time. I am a human being with limitations that flesh brings upon me, right? Can you think of all the limitations that we have as, as fleshly human beings? We, we, are, we are bound by these things, okay? This is part of what he's saying. Though we walk in the flesh, he's conceding here that we live in a fleshly world, and in the fleshly world, there are all kinds of fleshly ways of solving problems. Can you give me a normal, worldly, fleshly way of solving a problem? Let's just pick a problem. Let's say um, you get, uh, oh man, I should have thought this ahead of time. You get, you get uh, cheated or you're trying to park in a parking spot and somebody whips in front of you. Okay, there you go. That's never happened. So what do you do in the world? You you argue. I once heard a story about a young man who whipped into a car spot in front of an older lady in her Cadillac, and he said, and he got out and said, see what you can do when you're young? She took her Cadillac, and she went, bam! And she said, see what you can do when you're rich? <laughs> so, so um, but in the world, it's like might makes right. So if I'm stronger, like, just think about how it works on the kindergarten playground, right? The big kids, they play what they want to play. They make the little kids do what they want to do, right? They, they push them around. Um, there is a there is a there is a basic rule of if you have money you can buy whatever you want you can buy your politicians you can buy your justice right that's typically how people think in this world fight fire with fire right people think fight fire with fire um, yes 
Yeah, you think, you think, oh, the answer to being bullied is to bully back, right? And that's, this is our, our worldly way of thinking. A walking in the flesh means living according to our material world rules. I had here uh, fight fire with fire, always hit back, might makes right. Self-discipline is the answer. Like some people say, you know, uh, if you listen, there's an acknowledgement right now that there is a huge problem with young men and pornography, huge problem. So what does the world say the answer is? We'll just be more disciplined. That's not, that's not going to solve your problem. It's a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual problem. Self-discipline is not going to... Self-improvement, just always self-improvement. Fleshly principles work in the fleshly domain. So there's some things that work in the fleshly world, uh, the fleshly principles, but they, they, we're not talking about that anymore. We're talking about the spiritual world and the spiritual domain. So we cannot fight, and this is your, your box there, we cannot find spiritual success by employing fleshly tactics. That's what he's saying. Though we live in the flesh, we do not war in the, according to the flesh, according to the rules of the flesh. Verse, uh, let, me, let me finish this out. Our battle, our war, the word war here is uh, the Greek word for strategy. Okay, it's like a strategy. Our strategy um, is is uh, let's get the word here is um, stratuo, stratuomai. It is literally our English word strategy comes from this Greek word for war, and the idea is our strategy, our tactic cannot be fleshly. Okay, so if you're going to have spiritual answers to your problems, it cannot be. Are you going to have answers to your spiritual problems? They cannot be fleshly answers. Although we war according to the, or we uh, we walk according to the flesh, according to the rules or the domain of the flesh, we have to think beyond the way our flesh would normally think. Why? Look at verse four. What's the reason? Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What does carnal mean? Carnal. It means material. It means fleshly. Uh, even those of you who speak Spanish, what is carne? Meat, right? So I think that's right. I don't speak Spanish. But. Carnal just means fleshly, right? And so our war, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. The weapons we're going to employ to have spiritual success are not the kind of weapons you would employ in this physical world to have physical success. There's a difference. The weapons are are not carnal. We fight a spiritual battle with weapons that are not physical. Our weapons are instead are mighty in God. And what's the purpose? First, the purpose of our weapons. What does it say? For the what? For the pulling down of strongholds. For pulling down strongholds. What, that's the purpose of our weapon, is to pull down a stronghold. What is a stronghold? Did we put that? Yes, we did. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a fortress. And really, the the best kind of picture you can get is a stronghold is an independent, self-governing, rebellious uh, military installation inside of a larger state. So it would be like 
if Rock Hill declared independence from South Carolina, established our own government, and declared war on South Carolina. And we were a fortress. We built a wall around Rock Hill, and we said we are going to uh, be our own self-governed, own independent, rebellious state. That's the picture. And what are the strongholds supposed to picture about us? What, what are these strongholds that we're pulling down? Talk to me. Sin. And how does that, how, where is the sin? Where, where is the country? Where is the fort? Yeah, it's our heart, right? I mean, let's just think through very explicitly what he's saying. He's saying that these fortresses have been built up in our hearts. We've allowed Satan to have a foothold or a fortress in our lives where there is this little self-governing, independent part of our life that we have, we have sectioned off away from God that we say, God, you're not allowed to go there. You don't have any authority there. You're not allowed to touch that. That's mine, but actually that belongs to Satan when you do that, and these, these strongholds, these fortresses, what is, what is the spiritual weapons going to do to those fortresses? They're going to pull them down. They're going to tear them down, destroy them, and raise them to the ground so they no longer are operable. That's the picture, is that we have in our heart little rebellious fortresses. And I think if you're honest with yourself, you probably could say, yeah, I, I probably have them, some of those in my heart. I have the little rebellious fortresses that, that whenever uh, the preaching or the teaching or God's Word gets a little bit too close to it, I get a little defensive about that. And, and, and um, I think it was John Bunyan who wrote the, the, the story, he wrote a, an allegory about this and described man as, as having this, you know, the, the war that's going on inside of a holy war, right? Not holy war, uh, the book by John Bunyan. So, um, this picture of other enemies having an outpost in our hearts is a very, very potent picture, and we cannot allow these outposts to live where sin can have dominion and rule because this little self-governing city refuses to submit. And, and that's where we, we, we have to submit our heart piece by piece to the Lord. Uh, can someone read Romans 13, 14 for me? Um, someone got that? There's a, it's in your notes there. I don't think I put the words actually in your notes, but Romans 13, 14. Yes, sir. Pat. Okay, good. That, that word, do not think about, is interesting. I think uh, the translation I have says, do not make provision for the flesh, which is, a, which is a way of saying, don't allow there to be even a little bit of provision. Do not allow for the flesh to have place in your heart. And this is the picture here of Satan or the flesh taking, excuse me, taking place. So how, how do you do this? What are the, what are the um, how do we use this new kind of weapon? That's verses five and six. We've talked about the, the different kind of weapon we need. It's a spiritual weapon that fights spiritual battles, that pulls down spiritual um, uh, fortresses that have made themselves in our, in our hearts. And I will go to say that, that almost every major problem people have, major sin issues people have in their lives, often come down to these fortresses. They come down to these little defensive fortresses they built for themselves in their hearts. And sometimes they don't, they're, they, they're very happy with those fortresses because that is, they have some control over that area. They don't, haven't submitted that to God. And we really need to, to, to break those down. And how do we break those down? Well, look at step one. He begins in verse five, casting down arguments. So this is describing what's going on with these weapons, the picture of, of destroying or tearing down the walls casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When we talk about arguments, we're talking about speculations, we're talking about reasonings, we're talking about thoughts, casting down 
arguments is speculations or ideas. We're supposed to tear down bad ideas. So you cannot allow bad arguments to stay in your mind. If you entertain bad thoughts and you allow those bad thoughts and those contrary thoughts to God, um, or, or let me just say it this way. How are the, these arguments described in this text? Casting down arguments and what? Every high thing that... Okay, how do, how do bad arguments exalt themselves against the knowledge of God? What does that mean? Say that one more time. Okay, we're giving it precedence or it priority or authority over God's Word. So we say, well, well God says, I'd rather listen to this. It exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I mean, think about the garden, right? Uh, Eve's in the garden, and, and what does Satan say? Half God really said. Did God say that? Uh, no. And he contradicts God. And, and she gives the, the serpent's words priority over God's words. And so we do that all the time. Does God really care about this? I know God said this, but, and you have your own argument, right? So that's the picture is something that exalts itself, that puffs itself up against the truth. We have to take those down and we have to be careful because these things can actually build up in our hearts. We can have unbiblical thinking in our heart that has a fortress. Did you know that? You can have unbiblical unchristlike thinking that you have a fortress in your heart, and you need to tear that down with the truth, casting down arguments and the things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. I have Psalm 139 on your notes there. I would encourage you to, um, to, to oh, actually, I don't have it written there. I'm sorry. You should probably put that in, your, in the side there. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I think the key here is that we need to examine our own heart and make sure we're not embracing thoughts or ideas that are contrary to the Word of God. Because every contrary idea that exalts itself against God's knowledge, against knowing God or God knowing us, or what God shows us through His knowledge, must be confronted by the truth of God. So we, we cast down arguments, and what's the second step, starting in verse or continuing verse 5. What's the second step? We have casting, and then what? Bringing. bringing. There it is. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. More war language. You must bring every thought you have as a… Uh, the word captivity is a word used for a prisoner of war. Okay? You are bringing your thoughts captive. Have you ever had your mind just run crazy and you can't control it? I have. Um, I just can't stop. You know, I can't get my mind to settle. We are told that we need to confront wrong thinking with the truth of God and bring our thoughts captive. I've used this illustration before when I preached this uh, passage. It's been a couple of years now, but I remember very distinctly as I was preaching through 2 Corinthians, just a couple weeks prior, we had been to the, to the Plum's house and we went to Steve and Julie's house, and they had some chickens at their house, and our kids were trying to catch these chickens. And the chickens were really, really quick. And it reminded me of that scene from Rocky, the movie, where he has to chase that chicken around in order to improve his reflexes. And, and that's really what our kids were doing. They couldn't catch this chicken. They, they were running around. They, were, they, were, they would get really close. They'd run really fast, and they'd try to catch it, and then they would go. Um, and there were only a couple of them because I think they kept getting eaten by, by uh, wild animals or something. I don't remember all the, the details there, but that was back when they lived... Um, uh, out towards York. Anyway, 
soon thereafter, we were at Matt and Cassie's house. Now, if you've been to Matt and Cassie's house, they also have chickens. But the beach's chickens are completely different than the plum's chickens. Because the beach's kids go out there and treat these chickens like they're cats and dogs. They pick these chickens up and they, 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 they you know, caress their heads and they, they cuddle them and they have names for all of them, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, I was shocked. I was just amazed. I was watching these two families and their chickens. And I thought to myself, you know, our thoughts are a lot like chickens, aren't they? That, that it isn't necessarily that they're different in kind. It's that one has been trained and the other has not, right? The one chicken runs around crazy because it hasn't gotten used to being held and caressed and by little children. <laughs> the other one knows that that's how it's going to get its, its head rubbed, you know? <laughs> and so between the two of these things, uh, I, I saw a huge contrast, and I thought to myself, that is us. That is our mind. That's our thinking, because really our thoughts, we should be taking our thoughts captive. You know, here's the, here's the good news, I guess I'm saying, is that you can get better at this, that you are not destined to have a racing mind that has no control for your whole life. I don't, I don't think that's biblical. I think if you are obeying God and you're submitting to God in these things and you're using spiritual warfare, using spiritual tools and not physical tools, I think this is how you bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And in doing so, you, this, you're not letting thoughts run wildly in your mind. You're capturing these thoughts, and what are you doing with them? You're submitting them to the Lord. What does that look like? Let's be very practical. What does it look like when a wild thought runs through your mind? I'll tell you one of my wild thoughts. Okay, this is what happens with me. And this used to be much worse. It's got so much better. Um, I used to be driving home, and I would call my wife. And those of you who try to call my wife, you know what happens, right? She doesn't answer her phone. It's like, it's like just a normal thing now. And I, I understand that now much better. Much better. And, uh, but when she wouldn't answer her phone, my mind would start running. And you know what my mind is thinking? She's dead. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's dead. She's on the side of the road. She's dead, and she's, she flipped the car, and she's unable to respond. I mean, that's the only reason she can't answer her phone, right? Is that she's flipped her car, and she's bleeding out, and no one's around her, or else someone would have called me by now. And so I'm thinking, what am I going to do with the kids? Like, my wife is dead. Like, how am I going to handle that? And, and what am I going to do? How am I going to, like, how is this going to happen? Oh, no, my, my life partner, my wife, my, you know, oh, I'm just thinking, oh, this is horrible. I, I don't know. And I'm looking everywhere, you know, as I'm driving home. Where, do, you know, I know she takes this path. She probably, it's probably this ditch. Nope, she's not down there. And, and would you know it? I pull into my driveway, and there's my car. That she's, or her car, right? And, and, and I let my mind run crazy. And, and it took me, I mean, I, that happened more than once. I, I, I admit, I happened more than once where my mind would just go. And it would just, and before I knew it, it was, it was down a path that I didn't want to be on. And what I'm saying is, is that you have, to, you have to catch yourself when your mind, because what, what is behind that, that train of thought? You know what's behind that train of thought? Fear, Okay fear. Fear and lack of trust in God. It's like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I lose my wife. I can't live my life without her. And if I, and you know what I'm saying? My mind starts going that way. What will, what will I ever do? She runs my life. Like, how will I live without her? You know, that's what I'm thinking. And I have a lack of trust in God. I have a, a lack of faith. I also have 
a fear thing there, and all that is bundled together and just my mind goes crazy. So, so what I had to start doing was when I had those thoughts, I had to remind myself that, well, the Lord knows where she is. Nobody else may know where she is, but the Lord does. Right? God knows, and God cares for me. God cares for her. God's going to protect her. And even if I lose her, I have a God who loves me. Right? That's what you have to say. You have to remind yourself, it's all going to be all right, no matter what happens. And, uh, and so that is part of bringing your thoughts captive. I know it's a silly example, but we all, I think, have had moments like that where we have panic attacks. Right? Helen, you're raising your hand. Are you disagreeing with me, or do you want to say something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. And and I uh, the other time uh, I really had a uh, a really big panic attack. One time I was at home by myself. Um, my family was I think at the beach at that time, and I had to fix something under my house. Y'all have heard this story. And I, I crawled under my house to fix something, and it's like, it's like 10.30 at night. I got home from work, or maybe it was home from church or something. I don't remember. And uh, it's, the house is quiet. Everything's quiet. I'm under my house, and I'm fixing some, like some uh, air duct that came loose or something. I don't even remember now. And all of a sudden, I had this, you know, it's, I mean, we live in an older house, and I had, this, I heard, had these thoughts come in my mind, like the house is going to fall on top of me and going to crush me. And my wife is not here, and my kids are not here, and all they're going to come home, and they're going to smell something, and it's going to be my dead body. <laughs> Don't laugh. It was very serious. This, this really happened to me. And, and you know what happened is I got really panicked, and I thought, I've got to get out of here before this house falls on top of me. And so I, like, moved as fast as I could on all fours, and then I got out of there, and I was like, whew, that was close. <laughs> yeah. It could be, but like, it could be called claustrophobia. What I'm saying, though, is that I don't think that we should just stick a label on it and say, well, I was just having a panic attack or having claustrophobia, and it's okay. Like, I really think that it, behind those things is fear, and behind those things is a spiritual problem. I think mo- when our heart reacts this way, uh, we ought to look at ourselves and say, okay, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? What am I, what am I believing in? What am I trusting in that leads me down this path? So before we go any for, let me just notice a couple of things because I've already, I'm already going to go over my time if I don't hurry up here. So bringing every thought into captivity is so important. You cannot let thoughts freely run, bad thoughts freely run through your mind. Examine them by God's Word. See whether they pass the test. Don't think about God's Word through your, your, way of, your lens. You think about your life through God's Word and, and bring these thoughts into captivity so they obey Christ. And step three was, he said, being ready to punish disobedience. That is preparing yourself for future difficulty, ready to punish disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled, ready to establish a relationship of obedience to the Word of God by eliminating disobedience. And Paul's here talking about his relationship with them, so it's a little bit complicated what he's saying, and we don't have time to get into all the the things there. But those those three different things he says, casting down arguments, bringing every thought captive, and then being ready to punish disobedience, to take it seriously, to to make this a thing that you you, you accomplish. If I could leave you with one thought as we as we come away with here is that you are not going to solve your mental, spiritual battles with fleshly tools. It just won't work. You can have some success, minor success, but you will not have the radical success you need unless you go to God and you have the Holy Spirit working in your life and the power of the Spirit of God 
uh, through the transformational power of the Word of God and the, and the truth of God working in your life, pulling down those strongholds. Don't let those things fester and build and get stronger in your life. Pull them down. Address your thoughts. Confront your thoughts with the truth of God and, uh, and deal with it that way. Okay, uh, we're going to close in prayer. And just a reminder that if you have children in the, uh, in the, in the what do you call it, uh, the, the noches de aqua, nachos of aqua, something is that good? Not just the aqua? Wow. Uh, water night. If you have kids in the water night, uh, make sure you swing out there and get them because they are probably filthy dirty uh, right now and wanting to get in your car and make your car smell beautiful. So that's what they're going to do. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word that gives us direction on our hearts, that shows us the weakness of our hearts and the hope we have by trusting in you. I pray, God, that we would address the wicked thoughts in our hearts by pulling them down, by dealing with them spiritually and, and correctly, that we would um, not let our minds run wild with, with uh, inappropriate thinking, with fear-based imaginations, but we would address these things with the truth and learn to trust in you and have, a, as you said, a, a sound mind, power and love and a sound mind. And may we encourage those around us who struggle with these things to know that through Christ they can have victory. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, God bless you. Have a great night.